Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. Hey, a couple of things. I want to give a, a shout-out to Katie Brown, who ran all the toy distribution yesterday. So Katie, I know you're online. So we want to thank you. I know there are a lot of all of you were, were participating in what's going on. We got one more day today. So if you want to come out and serve, we can sure use the help at Lemon Grove Campus. We're going to be doing it to two to four today, giving out the last toys. We did get recognized by the County of San Diego as Hope Toy Drive Day. So we, they honored us for the work we're doing in the city. I know the mayor is going to be at Lemon Grove today, and they're going to honor a day of proclamation there. But I also want to read something as the kids were going through yesterday. There was a, a, a letter. Can you pop it up, Chris? Here, written off. You could see it on here. But it, one of the, as they were driving, the little kids wrote a, a letter on here, and I wanted to read it to you. I don't know if you got it up there, Chris, and stuff. It won't pop up. Okay. It says this um, as they were driving. They said here, and so don't from the family, from the kids. I say thank you for making our Christmas happy. Thank you. We get to have a toy, Asher and Ethan. And so they gave it to the leaders yesterday. Um, I know that there was a lot of stories yesterday of what happened, and we were so blessed, as many of you probably could tell stories. I heard Marissa was tearing it up on the, on the radio yesterday with us and sharing the gospel and, and doing it up yesterday, and the testimonies that came out from all our people and serving. So we had a visible testimony of the serving, but we had a verbal testimony from the word as people listened. So um, we're not done yet. We, we still got another. I know I feel like we're in a trifecta right now, you know what I mean? I know you guys are tired, and we're coming down the last part. We're coming down to uh, the, the, the marathon running, you know? We've, we've done the swimming. We've done the biking. Now we got to do the running, you know? And so we're at Lemon Grove from 2 to 4. So if you want to come out, I know there's team already already setting up over there, but if you want to jump and help serve with us today at Lemon Grove side, just let Pastor Sean know us. I know he'll be heading over there in a minute to, to get everything set up for the 2 o'clock uh, giveaways for the Hope Tour Drive on that campus. Also, guys, Bethlehem Nights. I know you're going to be tired. But just drive by over the encounter site. It's live. They have the whole setup. They're singing. There's a whole bunch of stuff. Just drive by. Take your family and go, go see what they're doing over there at the campuses. Been, we were, Julie and I were there last night um, seeing what was going on. Okay, guys, if your Bibles open up to Luke chapter 2, we're continuing on with the Christmas, the Christmas you remember sermon series on looking at the Christmas story. Um, we're going to continue on that. Guys, remind you, we do have a Christmas Eve service on Thursday at 6.30, so come on out for that uh, this Thursday. I don't know, I don't, when you were growing up or when I was growing up, you ever used to take the dominoes, and I know a lot of you played dominoes, but I'm talking about setting up the dominoes, like getting stack them, and you make a, like a little, like a pattern. Do you, 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 Lena, you know what I'm talking about? And you set it up, and then you would hit one, and they would knock all the ones down and go all and make a pattern. Do you, you remember doing that as a kid? It, it, when you do that, you'd see it all play. It's kind of like the, the ripple effect, kind of like a thing when you throw a rock on the water. Kind of, it kind of ripples, right? Well, the Christmas story is kind of like that story. It's kind of like a, a ripple effect here. We started last week, look at the story of Mary and Joseph as the angel appeared. And now you're seeing this ripple effect of the angels and the Christmas story being told. And, and so we see this ripple effect being played out. As the angel appears to Mary, then appears to Joseph. Now an angel is going to appear to the shepherds. And then there's going to be a star that's going to lead the wise men. And we're going to see this ripple effect of the Christmas story uh, being played out here. It's going to affect this Mediterranean world that, that we're studying this morning. 
It will be a, the first Christmas was a, a Christmas to remember. But as we look at the story this morning, the story's gonna get a little bit more stressful. It's gonna get a little bit more complicated. It's gonna get a, a little bit more challenging because what's gonna happen is this young couple, Mary, who's, who's pregnant, probably about 39 to 40 weeks into the pregnancy, is, is gonna be challenged to, to take a trip because there's gonna be a census called and then they're gonna have to go to, to, in, into Bethlehem. And then there's a challenge because they don't have much money and they can't find a room for an inn and, and she's ready to give labor. Can you imagine the experience of this young couple? Like, this isn't what they planned for Christmas. This isn't, wasn't what they planned for, for bringing this, this newborn baby. And this is what they planned. But in the stress of all this, they're traveling to come to a city. But when things look difficult, God turns the bad to good, Amen. It turns the back, and God will turn this into a righteous, great story as we look at it, because God is having going to have a, a happy ending in some sense with this story. So, as we look at Luke chapter two, verses one through twenty this morning, we're going to continue on with the story as we look at the ripple effect as it, it plays out. And so, I just want to pray in, and we're going to look at verses one through twenty this morning of Luke chapter two. Let's pray, Father, in the name of Jesus. We thank you. Lord, for what you're doing. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for the Christmas story. We thank you that we get to listen to it every year about this season to remind us of your coming. And we pray that as we look at the story this this morning, as we look at the story of the shepherds, we look at the story of the birth of Jesus, uh, and Father, we pray uh, uh, that this story touches us even today. It has to impact us even today. So we we just want to thank you. We want to praise you for the story that we get to communicate over the years and over the time. And so we ask that you would open our hearts and minds to receive your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. As we're looking at Luke chapter 2, we're going to see, first of all, that the craziness turns to good. Now, I played football, and um, in, I played a, a wide receiver and a wide out in football. I played in, in, in high school. I played in college. And, and I remember that there's a scheme when you get into your punt situations as a, as a special teams there, and the wide outs used to be out here. On the outside, you have the line in front, you have the punter, and then you have things. If you watch the Chargers, they don't do very well with that. But, um, uh, but, the, but the things with this is that the role of the wideouts is that when the ball's punted, you got to get down the field as fast as you can in order to, to tackle the guy that's the receiving, right? And, and your hope is that you could allow them to punt. I remember one game that we, I was on the wideout, and it was in high school, and, and I was in varsity, and we were, we were playing, and the, and the punter punted, and I'm, I'm just going down, and I'm... And I'm, I'm like, man, I'm zooming in on, on that. And then one of the receiver, and I remember hitting the receiver, and then the ball came out. And I popped, the ball came out. But then when, when that ball is popped out, it's, it's crazy, right? And sure enough, man, we're jumping. I remember trying to jump on the ball and get the ball, and it just became a dog pile, right? Everybody just nosedive into that ball. It's like hot potato. You got to get that ball. And so you get that ball. Just, but what happens is all these bodies jumping on you, right? You could feel the weight of the bodies on top of you trying to get the ball. You could feel the pressure of what's going on. In fact, sometimes it could be so hard and heavy that you can't even breathe when you're under the pile because you have so much weight on you. Let me tell you what's going right now, right? In some sense, that's what Joseph and Mary, they're feeling the pressure. They're feeling the weight. They're feeling the difficulties of the time. And sometimes they can't even breathe in the circumstances that's, that's going on right there. Some of you have felt the weight of 2020. Some of you have felt the pressure, the heaviness. Uh, some of you have lost jobs. Some of you are barely making ends. Some, like we had 
Thousands of people show up. Now, think about this. Thousands of people show up to get a toy yesterday, waiting in lines for two and three hours for a single toy. I can't even comprehend that. But there was such a great need that we had the opportunity to to meet and, 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 and provide. But people are feeling the pressure of anxiety. They're feeling the pressure of fear and depression, the, the, the pressure of, of, of addiction, the temptation of addiction. It's taking the breath away this morning. But in this Christmas story, Mary and Joseph will feel the weight of change and inconvenience. They will be tapped with the responsibility to travel to Bethlehem. But in the craziest of moments, there'll be great joy. There'll be great joy because it'll turn to good here but what's the craziness of this season guys we've been in a crazy season haven't we 2020 has been a crazy season look at verses one through three and it says and it came to pass in those days that the decree went out from caesar augustus that all the world should be registered the census first took place while quirinius quirinius was the governor of syria so all went to be registered everyone to his own city to his own city now, Luke is the author of this book. I talked about Luke a couple of weeks ago. He's, he's, the, he's the, the, the physician who traveled with Paul the Apostle. We know he wrote the, the Gospel of Luke. We know he wrote the book of Acts. And he's going to tell his side of the story. Last week, we looked at Matthew and how he told his side of the story with the visitation of the angels of Mary and Joseph. Now we're going to look at Luke's perspective of, of the story. And you know, Luke, being a, a doctor, gives great deal, details to the story. You may not read a, a doctor's writing sometimes. That's why they print it out now. And then they sign it so you can read it, okay? But he's going to print out in his gospel the good news, his, what he saw in the story. And he's going to give a lot more details because he says this, and it came to pass. Let me write out what had happened is what Luke is saying here. Let me give you the details from what I know to be true. Because he's writing from, he's writing from a, a, a really a, 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 a Gentile. He's a Gentile servant writing about a Jewish story. That's what he's doing. He's communicating this first Christmas. And so we didn't even know God's using this, this man as a, as a testimony to break down barriers as he's giving a perspective about Christmas. And Luke is, in his gospel, is trying to draw people to follow Christ, to be a disciple of Christ. That's what a lot of his writing has to do. And he's starting with the Christmas story. And so what does he do right away as a doctor who gives details he also gives details of the time. He gives details of the political season. He gives details with names to validate God's word that this is really a story it took place at a right time when there were political leaders at that time in Bethlehem and in Rome and in that area. And so we can validate God's word with history going together and this author's writing this story from that perspective. In fact, he mentions that Caesar Augustus gave an, an edict. He gave a, a call to the census, right? It, really, um, politics was even involved back in then, like we have politics today. But the reality, this, this politic decision really affected what was going on at the time. Caesar Augustus was also known as Gaius Octavius. That's who it was. Gaius Octavius just changed his name as the title to Caesar Augustus because he's so prideful. And all that word means is exalt, exalted or, or sacred. He, he kind of lifted himself up by this name. But he had, a, he had great influence in that culture and in that time and made great decisions that allowed Rome to prosper and the Mediterranean world to prosper during his rulership and his leading. 
He developed the Pax Romana, which allowed people to, to travel the, the all around without any complications. He built roads and highways and things that were allowed the work to be done. And that's why the gospel came and spread so fast because of the, the freedom and the area to travel. There was no travel bans at that time. You know what I mean? There was, there was no passports at that time. There was none of that going on. They could travel freely. And I think that's why the gospel came at that time was because the gospel could spread so quickly. He brought great peace and prosperity to the empire. All right? Not, not Star Wars empire. Okay? Just so I want to let you know that. I know sometimes we, those Mandalorian watchers out there. Okay? But I'm just saying, I'm talking about the Roman empire here. Okay? That there was great movement going on. And so we know that this story, that's why when they spoke about the story, the birth of Jesus had traveled so fast. Why? Because it was, it was a world hungry for a savior. A world that was living in the reign of political savior, Caesar Augustus, but he wasn't enough. Politics will not save us. Most of the time it just divides us. But I want you to understand here, there was a census taken that activated God's messianic plan, right? What was the, they, they called a census, like we, this is 2020, so we had a census. We marked down about how many people were in our family. We took a census this year. This has been going on for centuries, these, this census. And so we see a census taking place here. And the census was also used for taxation, for taxation, right? In some ways, putting on the burden of the people to pay their taxes. And so you have this poor family from Nazareth traveling, and now they got to pay taxes here, right? There was this decree that moved Mary and Joseph from the little city of Nazareth into Bethlehem, into to Bethlehem, made by a proclamation. One man's words and decision changed the whole plan to move this whole little couple into Bethlehem, the city where Joseph was lying and part of his family line. We see that. I love Proverbs 12, 21. I mean, Proverbs 21, 1 says this, the king's heart is like a stream of water directed by the Lord. He guides it wherever he pleases. God is involved in every aspect of our world and he allows his agenda to be played out and he directs it and he's, he's directing it now. We see God is orchestrating his prophetic plan because we know that prophecy is being played out. But crazy mess leads to fulfillment of God's prophetic plan. We see that in Luke 2, 4 and 5, right? Look at this. It says, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David. So he registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. Guys, Mary, I said, was traveling from Nazareth to Bethlehem. They traveled 90 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem while she probably was pregnant with 39 40 weeks into a pregnancy, right? And they traveled by foot. They probably had a donkey, maybe. They probably had somebody that they walked on there. That, that, that travel took between four to seven days. You know, I remember when my wife was pregnant. I think you were pregnant. might have been with Ryan and Marissa. And we took a, a, a journey up to um, um, Yosemite with, in the youth group, with our youth group trip. We went to Yosemite, and we were on a bus, and I don't know if you ever driven on a bus, old school bus, that we went up there. And buses, when they drive, they, they, they bounce, right? And my wife was probably, I don't know, seven, eight months pregnant at that time and stuff. And I remember she's like, you know, and like she's this big and she's doing this. And then she's, I got to go to the bathroom. I got to go to the bathroom. You know what I mean? And, and stuff, because it's just the, the motion of that, of going and the discomfort. I can only imagine Mary, right, 
39, for those who have, have had kids before, 39 weeks in, 40 in, like that's the worst, that's the most uncomfortable time of the pregnancy. You're like, I'm done with it. I've had it. I'm ready. I'm done. And you're on a donkey that got to travel, travel and a traverse ground for 90 miles, four to seven days. Oh, come on now. Moms, you know what I'm talking about, right? It ain't easy. It ain't easy. Right? And this is the situation that's going on. They're leaving their comfortable home to go to the city of David because that's where they needed to report to the census because that was their family history or genealogy. I know that we are in some restrictive times too as we've seen God moving this year and through different sense, uh, guidelines and things that are going on. But I think even in all that's happening today, even all that we're seeing today, you know, we're masked up, we're gloved up, we want to be safe, we want to do all those things. Never underestimate what God's doing. He's still doing something. He's still working, right? He's still moving people. We would never have met people today if it wasn't for their situation. We would never have met families or people. Maybe you're here for the first time. We've never met you if it wasn't for this situation. We're so blessed you're here, blessed with us here this morning. Because I think in the situation, they might open up some great relationships and some great friendships and some things that God might do through here. And so never underestimate, though it might be hard for the family, it might be difficult, it might be rough. God's still working it out for the good. He always works it out for the good. And so let's rejoice in the fact that God is still moving in that way. And God is placing the couple right where he wants them to be. God's placing the couple right where he wants them to be, right? They have arrived in the city of Bethlehem. Bethlehem means the house of bread. That's what it means, right? The bread of life will be born in the house of bread, right? Because Jesus said to himself, I am the bread of life. We're born in the, the house of bread. Fulfilling Micah 5 too, God is laying out his plan. What was spoken about hundreds of years before the first century was prophesied by a, a prophet named Micah that said this, but you, Bethlehem of Ephrathah, though you are little among thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be the ruler of Israel who's going from are from of old, from everlasting. The prophet spoke about where the Messiah was going to be born and that he was to come to a little city called Bethlehem. Like this story is going to exalt the city of Bethlehem. Nobody would have known Bethlehem unless through this story because it was just a little small city. It, it, we're going to be going to Israel um, next October, Lord willing. We're supposed to go this October, but COVID shut it down. We're taking somebody to Israel next week. So you could see these places, and they're very real places. Bethlehem's still there today. And we're going to see here that God, this little city, he prophesied, will be known around the world because it was a place where Jesus was going to be born. But also I know that this, this crazy time, this crazy birth leads to a humble beginning. Look at verses 6 and 7. It says, so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth the firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloth, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Basically, Mary's come to full term is what's happening here in the story, right? She's ready to give birth. It's delivery date. It's the delivery date. Now, we celebrate December 25th as Christmas Right, That was really started back in the 4th century, giving this day. Some believe it might have been in the spring because the shepherds were out, right? And most time in the winter, they put them into their barns or whatever because we're going to get into the shepherd's story. But we have set a date to celebrate Christmas here. That was, that's what we celebrate. But there was a delivery date for Mary when Jesus was born. 
But what was the circumstances of this delivery? What was the circumstance of this birth? I know when, when we had our kids ready to be born, we prepared for the delivery. We prepared the rooms. We prepared everything. We, we went to the Lamar's class. We, we, we visited everything. We got the room ready. We got everything. I, that's not what's happening here. That's not what's happening. I don't think there was a Lamar's class for Joseph for the, that day. Okay? The breathing class. I don't think that was going on back in the day. Okay? So... Because there was a census taken, the multitudes had gathered into Jerusalem, Bethlehem, to, to, to take the number, right? So because the multitude were there was no room for the inn. There was no space for Joseph. There was a housing problem. And so there was no room in the Bethlehem him for Joseph and, and Mary, right? And then we read that, that because there was no room, there was a stable, or some believe it might have been a cave, Right? where the baby was delivered. Some might suggest it was a cave because that's where a lot of the animals would stay back in the city in that time. And we often know that the animals were cared for in a cave. But at this point, he was delivered to an unsanitized place. It wasn't what he wanted. It wasn't what they had planned. They put him in a manger, a feeding trough of an animal. They wrap him up in swaddling clothes, the scripture says, right? Now, I don't know how that all went down. The story doesn't tell us, did Joseph deliver this baby? Like, who delivered this baby? Come on now. I've been in hospitals. I saw my kids delivered, and there was doctors, and there was nurses, and we just read Joseph and Mary were in this, this place. I don't know what Joseph was doing. You know what I mean? But maybe that was a miraculous thing, too, this birth that, that, that came out. And they wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and, 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 and the swaddling clothes is something that, that they rip in a garment. It was a, a ripping of a garment. They would wrap Jesus in the swaddling clothes like we as mothers would wrap our children in a blanket. We burrito wrapped him. That's what Joseph did, all right? They, they, they wrapped to keep him warm. But a lot of times in, in, in this that you see because there was, they were poor, they probably had to rip things to showing their poverty, that they weren't very wealthy. Also, we know that swaddling clothes is what they used to use for burial. Remember, people would be buried, and they would wrap them in clothes and bury them. Only a, a future of where Jesus was going, because if there's no carnation, there's no cross, right? If there's, if there's no birth, there can be no death for our hope that, that comes there. And we, we see the swaddling cloth that, that's laying up. But one day, he's going to take off that little swaddling cloth because swaddling cloth, he's going to be doing his ministry. He's, he's going to not be wearing that anymore. He's going to be coming and serving the people. We know that here but we know that jesus came in by humble means he came in by humble means is what it was a humble beginning he wasn't ushered in by kings and rulers of the day but just a family in an animal cave in an unclean place the humility of our savior and i don't know if mary looked on that baby and said my god or my son because that's what was happening here that's the humility of the story. The Bible says by humility we enter into the kingdom. It's by bending knee we enter into the kingdom. Our Savior came in, in humble beginnings. That's what he came. He came and dwelt among the marginalized. He, he came and hung and lived in a, in a poor family. We've seen that as Joseph and Mary came from Nazareth. That's why they say, can anything good come out of Nazareth? We, we see that starting off this, this very, this family but I want you to understand the second thing here. Though it was a crazy time, right? Comfort found in a bundle of joy. We find comfort in a bundle of joy, right? I want you to challenge you, even in the season that we're in, that, that you 
protect yourselves from the circumstance that, that this season doesn't rob you of your joy. I think one of the traditions we have as a family is to watch the, the Jim Carrey movie, Grinch. Remember, we, we as a family watched that movie. It's like, a, like the most, I think it's the most sold Christmas story, the Grinch, Jerry, Jim Carrey's one, right? And it's about a Grinch who was hurt and wounded by Whoville, right? He was, he was hurt and wounded, and so he gets bad, and he, he goes away and lives up in this cave, and, and we know that Whoville is, is a little town, and they, they love Christmas, and they want the toys and, and dealing with that, but what happens is the Grinch, because his heart is so small and bitter and angry, dresses up as Santa Claus and then goes down into Whoville and, and takes all the Christmas trees and all the toys and, and all the food and everything. And even like, a, and, and we see uh, Linda, 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 Linda Lou, that little girl who meets Santa Claus, Cindy Lou, and meets Santa Claus and she's like trusting him, right? Uh, I'm sorry if you don't watch the movie, I didn't mean to bum you out here. You know what I mean? Go, go watch it today. All right. But then he takes it up with his little trusty dog, goes up to his little cave. He has his big, all the toys and everything, right? And he thinks they're going to come out complaining and upset and mad. And, and so he sits on the mountain. And what does he find? He listens. And the Whoville comes out and they begin to sing and they begin to worship. And it didn't, touch, it didn't face them. And that little moment, their little touch, their little worship, their little song, turned that cold heart that was so small and it grew four times bigger. And he came back down the hill. We see a story of reconciliation. We see a story of restoration. We see a story where he gives back the stuff back that he took. And then they celebrate and they worship in this story, this little Christmas story that we see. I think in the midst of this pandemic, this Christmas, let's not, let it not rob you of your joy. But we celebrate the birth of Christ who changes the heart of men and leads people to worship him in spirit and truth. I know it's been hard. I know it's been difficult. I know it's, I've lost people this year. I've, I, I've seen the, the difficulties of things. I, I, had a, I did a memorial service yesterday of, from a daughter of a good, one of our pastors. It's been a hard season. But we can't let these experiences rob us of our joy. We can't. We find great comfort when one, when we, we find great comfort when, by, com, by the coming joy here this, this morning. Look at 8 through, starting at verse 8. It says, now there were in some country shepherds living out in their fields, keeping watch over the flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, right? It starts off with shepherds, shepherds. We're caring for the sheep in the fields outside of Bethlehem. Shepherds were the lowest of vocation of the time. They were the poorest of, of the people of the time in that neighborhood. They were the social outcasts at times. In fact, you go all the way back to the book of Exodus when Joseph and the family and Jacob had 12 sons and they were shepherds. But when they went to Egypt, say, don't tell them you're shepherds because they they're not looked on very good. Shepherds were not looked on. In fact, in that culture... A testimony of shepherd was never even received. When a shepherd spoke about something, it wouldn't even be received because the way they, the, the culture looked upon them. Bethlehem was a place where they used to breed sheep for the temple sacrifice. That's, that was the place. 
because Jerusalem was only a few miles away, maybe two miles away. And so many of us believe that these, many of the shepherds that were out at this time may have been the temple servants or shepherders for the temple sheets to be sacrificed in there. And so they, would, they were there to serve the priests. But Jerusalem was only a few miles away. And so because it was, they would often take by the sheep there in Bethlehem to go to Jerusalem for their sacrifices. I find it very interesting that the John called Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The Lamb of God was born in Bethlehem who let her be crucified in Jerusalem. You see the parallels of the story where the sheep are raised here to be taken to be sacrificed in Jerusalem and the Lamb of God was born there to be eventually be taken to Jerusalem to be sacrificed. Oftentimes when sheep were born or lambs were born, they also too would wrap up the baby sheep in swaddling clothes for the purpose of keeping them from not being blemished or hurt for a season. That's why you see the symbolism of even Jesus being wrapped in swaddling clothes because he was the sheep of the time. But you hear in the story that shepherds heard the good news to the angelic preachers, right? You saw that in 9 to 12, right? They heard the words of the angels speaking about the coming joy, the, the Messiah that was going to come. And they brought great comfort because we find great comfort when we hear good news. You know, I'm sure people felt great comfort when they heard the vaccine was coming, right? Let me tell you, this is a vaccine for a broken world, this Messiah that, that's coming. There was, there was an interruption in the quietness of the night as these shepherds are just going about their business when, when this angel appeared, right? The glory of the Lord appeared to the outcasts and brought good tidings and brought good news, right? The angels brought good news to those who were afraid. When they saw it, it says they were afraid. But let me tell you what good news does. It, it calms us down. Good news comforts us. And so there they were afraid, and even the angel said, do not be afraid. Look up that word in the scriptures many times. It's actually found 365 times in the scriptures. We have 365 days in our calendar. Maybe that's written that we do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. The, the angels, are, these angelic voices are comforting the shepherds in the field, and they're beginning to testify of the birth of Christ to the shepherds. He came to the least of these. Didn't Jesus later say, if you come to the least of these, you come unto me? Didn't you not serve the least of these? You were serving me in Matthew 25. Jesus was coming to the least of these. And he said, this gift child will bring great joy. The, the, the Savior, the one that's going to be, is going to bring great joy. And he'll be the Savior, the rescuer of the world. The, the life preserver for all. He'll be the Christ. He'll be the, the Messiah, the anointed one, the Lord, the master that we will follow. Here's the message of the angels to the shepherds. They're laying out this message, right? And we'll find great joy in him. Not happiness, but gladness. Joy has to do with our contentment. Guys, when God is in our life and he's within us, and I don't care how bad the storm is, you can still find joy and peace. Because God is the anchor of those things. God is the anchor of our hearts. God is the anchor of those things. And you can find great joy in it. And so joy is found in a person and you're going to find in this little city called Bethlehem, this little bundle of joy. You'll find them wrapped in swaddling clothes. And that's what the angel's message was for these shepherds. This is what you're looking for. Here's the image of pitching, right? And what do we find here? Great joy is expressed to the praise of the heavenly host. So as soon as they say that, they begin to worship this heavenly host. Begin. Look at verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest on peace, on, on earth peace, goodwill toward men. 
What do you see here? The very, you see the first Christmas carol at the first Christmas. It was, a, it was sang by a heavenly host, right? It was, it was an angelic choir singing before the shepherds, and, and they were worshiping at this time out in the fields outside of Bethlehem. In fact, let me tell you this. The word heavenly host, the word host is the word stradia, which translates an army or a band of soldiers. These were a troop of angels. They were an army of angels. They were, they were no ordinary band of angels. Michael was an archangel. He, he was a fighter. These were fighting angels. They were, they were like men of men angels. You know what I mean? They were like, they were like the, battle, the battle guys of, of the kingdom worshiping God. This band of military men of angels of these angelic hosts. And their songs included vision, right? Glory to God. Love toward God. Worship. We were called to worship him in, in spirit and truth. The, the vision was to, that God would get glory. The vision that the, that the earth would be experienced the peace. The peace for all, they sang, right? Peace on earth. Peace between God and peace between one another through justification. That is in the heart of God, that we love God and we love one another. I think if we get back to that, maybe our world will look a little bit different. If you start seeing through the eyes of God, right? If we have peace with God, we're going to have peace with one another. And then we'll have peace of heart and peace of mind and goodwill toward men. That's the benevolence of us, right? Goodwill means delight, pleasure, and satisfaction. Guys, why is it such a great joy to serve others? Why is it such a great joy to stand outside Friday, Saturday, and even today for hours giving toys away. Because God created us to do that. God created us to be benevolent. We lose our joy when we only think about ourselves. But the Bible says if you give your life away, you will find it. But if you try to keep it, you will lose it. God created us to be benevolent. And I think we lost sight of that in our culture, in our world. That's why we give what we give because that's really the character and nature of God that he's designed in the DNA of his creation that we would be benevolent to one another. That was the message of the angels. When God gets the glory, people have peace and goodwill be had for all. That's the order of things. That's the order of things. And lastly, as we close here, the shepherds got caught up in the great wonder of the moment. We see that in 15 to 20. Wonder. You heard that weird wonder. The word means the experience of mingled with admiration, caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, inexplainable. Simple word for wonder is awe. It's just awe. You might scratch your head when you heard, and I heard this. You might scratch your head in the wonderment when a 10-year-old cheese, cheese sandwich sold at auction in 2004 for a cool $28,000 simply because the people thought they saw the face of the Virgin Mary in the fold of the stale food. Hmm. Let me tell you something, but Christmas is where we see the face of God, the awe of his carnation. And you don't have to look any further. We have Emmanuel, God with us. We have Emmanuel, God with us. The moment of the wonder moves the shepherds to, to seek the Savior. I'm, I'm praying that this Christmas season will be a time where you're motivated to seek the Savior. We're going to look at that next week. we we'll look at the Magi. we we'll look at the wise men. The 15 says, so, uh, so it was when the angels had gone away from them in heaven. So here these angelic hosts are singing. They're leaving. The, the, the concert is over, and they're leaving. 
that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see the things that had come to pass, which the Lord had made known to us. Let me tell you, when you hear the truth and you come to the knowledge of the truth, I'm hoping it motivates you to seek, to seek him. And that's what you're seeing here. The good news was spoken to the shepherds and the shepherds are now motivated to seek out that truth. I'm praying that, you, that the Christmas season isn't the only time you come to church, but every day is a day that we celebrate the life of Christ and the birth of Christ, that we be seekers of him. In fact, the shepherds had to urge you to seek him. Let's go now and witness the truth. They didn't just wait. They're like, oh, manana. You know manana never comes, right? Okay. No, there wasn't manana for the shepherds. It was like, let's go right now. There was an urgency to his seeking. May we have that motivation of the urgency to seek Jesus in this Christmas season. But you have to understand that the moment of wonder motivated them to share what they had seen. Look at 16 through 18. And then they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph, the baby, lying in the manger. Just as the angels had said, just as the good news was proclaimed, they saw the very thing that the angels had said. And now when they had seen him, they made widely known the sayings which was told concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told, told them by the shepherds. In the haste, they came to see what the angels had shared. Just like the angels had shared, there was, there was details. And they saw that very detail. And the shepherds would give testimony what they have seen, sharing the good news to others. The angels shared the good news with the shepherds, and the shepherds are sharing the good news with others. Guys, it's our turn. That's what the Christmas season is about, to share the good news with others, to share the Christmas story of the coming Messiah to others, because that's the beginning of the story. That's, that's, that's why it's the first Christmas. It, they, we have taken that mission on as a church to share the love of Jesus and his coming to others. And it says that the shepherds made it widely known, that it, it reached far and wide. And those who heard were in awe of the wonder. In fact, the word here in the text, he said he used the word marveled. Marveled means translates to wonder or to be had in admiration right? The spoken truth of the shepherds brought people in awe. May we be in awe of the first Christmas story. Because sometimes we can hear the story of Christmas and Easter all the time, and it's the same story, and we lose the awe of it, the beauty of it, because we can just play it over and over again. But lastly, as we close, the moment of wonder moved them to contemplation and praise. Look at verse 19 and 20. But Mary kept all things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for the all things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. You see a, a private moment and you see a public moment here in some sense. You see the heart of Mary and you see the shepherds and, and the worship here. Mary had a Selah moment. Selah means a pondering moment here. She was overcome by what she experienced. She, she pondered it. She thought about it. She deliberated about it, right? The word ponder means to wrestle with what has happened, trying to come to grips with the beauty of the moment. Have you ever had a moment with God? I've had moments with God. I'm like, whoa, I, I, gotta, I gotta catch my breath with this. I gotta, I, I gotta think about what just happened. Mary's having one of those moments, and she quietly took it all in and considered all that has transpired. 
She met an angel, Gabriel, that spoke of what was going on. God spoke to her, her husband, Joseph, and now they're in Bethlehem. They have a baby. They're in this, all oh, the shepherds have come. They're, all this, she's taking it all in. What, what's going on here? She's taking it all in in the moment. She's pondering it, realizing all that God had done to bring her to this moment. All the trials, all the traveling, all the traverse obstacles to get here to this blessings. Guys, we're going to go. The Bible says we enter the kingdom through tribulation. We're going to have our moments like that. But we also get to see the beauty in it. And the shepherds were moved in wonder to worship. They begin to call out. They begin to worship. They were the poor, but all they could offer was their praise from their lips. Sometimes that's all we can offer. It's just the praise from our lips, right? And they rejoiced in what they knew. They rejoiced in what they saw. They rejoiced in the truth that had come out. When we sing, we just want to rejoice. Why do we worship? We worship because we celebrate what we know to be true. We worship all that God's done. It's a, it's a form of expression. It's a form of thanksgiving. It's a, it's a form of pouring our heart. Why do we lift up our hands? Because we say, God, you're all that it is, and we surrender. And my hands are open, ready to receive what you have. Why do we sing? Because we sing out of the expression of our hearts, and we sing words because they have meaning behind them. We're just not reading words off a screen, but we're worshiping God, and we're singing songs because we're expressing our love to him. And hoping that it edifies and builds up one another that we could continue on. And so this morning, as we talk about a Christmas to remember, the craziness of what we've seen in our world today and as we experience the 2020 will turn to good. Just like the story of Mary and Joseph, it turns to good. We know that we're going to find comfort in a bundle of joy. There's joy in Christ He's the one that we're going to find our greatest joy, no matter what's going on. Because happiness is up and down. But joy has to do with contentment in its long term. And then lastly, right, we want to get caught up in the great wonder of the moment. The great wonder of the moment. The, the wonder of the birth of Christ. Get caught up in that moment, right? I'm going to tell you, be spiritual hedonist, right? Take pleasure in that, Take pleasure in the, in the presence of God this season. Sit down at home by yourself and just give thanks to God and worship God and say, thank you for the season of the birth of your son. That's my challenge as we continue on with a Christmas to remember. May this 2020 be a Christmas. You're going to remember it, a Christmas to remember. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this moment. We thank you that we can get caught up in the wonder of this moment, Lord. And that, Father, that this story that we hear is just not a story we hear once a year during this season, but it's a story that has meaning and a story that has purpose. May we get caught up in the wonder of it, Lord. May it be a Christmas we remember. Father, even through the trials and the difficulties and, and the things we've seen this year, Lord, Father, we know that you're faithful. We know you're good. And your son came in the flesh, God in the flesh, that he would go to the cross die, he would resurrect again to give us life, and then he's coming back again. This is the beginning of the gospel story, but we thank you, we praise you. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.